0: Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Welcome to the weekly show of Classroom Without Wars. My name is I. I am the CEO of Classroom Without Wars and the host of this weekly live streaming show. Today, we're doing a very special edition of my traditional show, and we're doing an author's highlight. And my guest of honor is Ali Bloyd. And Ali is an award winning social media digital marketer, calling the creation, calling the creator. And she is also an author and a speaker. And today we are going to dive into her amazing book, Uncensored America. I absolutely love the title. So we're going to really go deeper into her book what inspired her to write this book and what is this book about and what is this book for and also we're going to share some of the stories in the book the uh the poems in the book maybe we can do a reading from uh by Allie, and uh and so much more to talk about It's such a great book And uh, so really excited to dive into her journey to become an author and the connections between entrepreneurship and her role as a poet. Very interesting. And so as always, a big shout out to StreamYard for being a sponsor of Classroom Without Walls. Over the last four years, I have tried different Third party tools to go live on social media. StreamYard is my favorite. In the comment section, there is a code for you to check out StreamYard for free for two weeks. And we are live on Amazon Live. I highly recommend you guys join us live on Amazon Live because you can directly get a copy of this amazing lady's book. And so to go to Amazon Live, you just enter Classroom Without Words. Dot AI, that uh, dot live. So here you go. Enter classroom without was dot live. And that's how you go to uh, Julia's live on Amazon Live and you can get a copy of her book. We're also live on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Twitch. So if you are live with us right now, let me know in the comment section regarding where you are Julia's live from, social media wise and geographically speaking. Without any further ado, my friend, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes, the honor is all mine. And so first, uh, tell us more about the book.
1: Do you have a copy? I certainly do. This is it right here. So it's called Uncensored America, Thought-Provoking Poetry on Faith, Family, and Freedom. And I am so excited that it's out. It came out about two weeks ago. It's been great so far. And I'm just really looking forward to people getting it, people reading it, and hearing what the response is. It's been amazing so far. So looking forward to more comments on it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. We already have quite a few people live with us. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. And as I mentioned, uh, join, I definitely encourage you guys to join us live on Amazon where you can really get a copy directly from the live show to check out Ali's book, Uncensored America. Yeah. So as I shared earlier, Ali, you know, you are known as this like amazing social media digital marketer, content creator, click funnel lady. And when I first discovered that you actually write, you are a poet, I was like, what? So like, that is so interesting. So what's like, what's the connection? What inspired
1: you to write this book? Yeah, so I have been a poet really since I can remember. I don't actually remember the first poem I ever wrote or the first moment that I wrote a poem, but I've been writing since I was at least five years old. It's just something that's always been my creative outlet. I just use it to really understand my thoughts, dive into you know, larger concepts and to just explain the world around me in a lot of ways. So I have been writing consistently throughout my life. I have a tremendous amount of additional poetry that's not in this book, Um, but this was really inspired honestly by just seeing so much of what's happened over the course of the last year. And obviously, my writing has reflected a lot of the things that we've seen, because, you know, that's how I really make sense of the world in a lot of ways. And I also started to notice that when I would post some of these occasionally on social media, which before the last year, I probably had never shared any of my poetry with anyone mm-hmm. outside of my family. But I started to notice something really interesting. And really that sense of the world in a lot of um that was even though some of the poems that i was posting were covering what some people might call controversial issues or sensitive Mm -hmm. issues things that you know we on social media often see um a lot of anger and fighting and bickering and things like that, that wasn't really the response that these were getting. People were opening up conversations, people were asking questions, and it really was very noticeable I think mainly because of the contrast Mm -hmm. of what we see so often on social media. And so it really got me to think about what the power of poetry was. And Mm -hmm. I never really thought about it in that way before, but I started to believe that In a world where everyone has a preconceived idea of someone's angle or agenda, when they look at a news story or a headline or an op-ed or something like that, poetry is different in that it's open to interpretation. It's often Mm -hmm. not even Speaking specifically about individual people or individual events, but more larger universal concepts. So it was allowing people to draw their own conclusions. And it didn't feel like it was a a forced opinion. You know, there wasn't something that was directly trying to change someone's mind. It's more like shining light on issues and maybe framing them in a way that other people have not considered before. And I truly believe that right now we have a very serious problem throughout the Mm -hmm. country most likely the world um, but on a country basis first and foremost where people simply don't want to hear what others have to say they don't want to understand where someone else is coming from and so i just really got the idea that this book could be a catalyst to maybe helping people either rethink some of their own ideas without having the pressure of knowing that other people are, are waiting for you to respond back. There's there's something you know, unique about being able to sit at home with this book without anybody else um, having any expectation about what you're going to think after you read it, uh, but also even if your ideas stay exactly the same, allowing you to see maybe where other people are coming from and realizing that it's not so different than what you probably think. And so something that really could help bring people together and allow them to find common ground and also really give them some hope in a time of so much uncertainty and chaos in a lot of situations. So. Mm-hmm. That's what I hope to gain from the book, really just impacting someone's life in a positive way, but also really create something that is artistic that will inspire other people to create more powerful and uplifting and thought-provoking art. Because I think that, unfortunately, we've seen a decline in that area Mm -hmm. as well. There are simply not a lot of people creating powerful art right now. And I think it has the power to change hearts and minds as it has done for centuries. So excited to see what happens in the poetry space as a result of this book. But honestly, it was something that I basically already had all of the content written before I even decided to publish. Um, wow. So it was a fairly you know short process because of that. Uh, but I'm just really, really excited to be able to get these messages out and hopefully impact someone's life for the better.
0: Oh, wow, so powerful. This book really uh, inspired me to look at poetry very, very differently. Because before when I was thinking about poetry, I was mainly thinking about poetry as being like, like are to be appreciative. I love how you are using poetry almost as an activist to 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 advocate for something. So mm-hmm. like the book, as soon as you released the book, was in the number one new release category on Amazon. So first of all, congratulations. Thank and you. All, yeah. So what are the demographics of people who are receiving, uh, responding really well to the book? Are they mainly like kind of creative artists? Or I know you have a very large, like following in the entrepreneurship community. So share that with us
1: yeah it has been a little bit of everything so i decided to do a promotion when i first launched the book uh, for one of my courses so the course is the organic growth quick start course and basically this is something that really any business owner can use um but even aspiring business owners so maybe people who've thought about starting a business but they haven't done it yet so i wanted to give people of really any background any ideology any belief system um, an incentive to go ahead and get a purchase copy of this book uh, to hopefully spread this to a larger group of people that Mm -hmm. may not necessarily think they're the demographic. So my thoughts about who is best for this book it really could be anyone. It doesn't have to be somebody just in America, because I think we have seen so many similar themes happening in America, but they're happening in countries all across the world. I have a lot of students that are from Canada and, you know, we talk about some of these exact same things they're dealing with in, you know, slightly different ways in their country as well. So I don't think it's just limited to America, but obviously that's a big focus of the book. Um, I think that so far I've read reviews and gotten comments from people that I wouldn't, I don't think would have thought they would have loved this book as much as they did, mainly because I really wanted to get it out there to my audience of people who, they are from all different backgrounds Mm -hmm. and walks of life, they mainly have in common that they are entrepreneurs or considering starting a business. And so there is a chapter in the book called The Land of Opportunity and it's about Mm -hmm. entrepreneurship and self-growth. And so that's definitely something that entrepreneurs can appreciate. There's also a chapter all about family. I mean, I think anyone can appreciate that chapter because we all have people that we love and value in our lives. And uh, there's a chapter called One Nation Under God that's about finding peace in times of trouble and uncertainty. So I think even people who are not necessarily uh, a person of faith can appreciate a lot of these things as well because when times are crazy or or stressful we all seek to find comfort and peace and relief in some way. So I think that this is this is a book that some people assumed was like directly political and there are of mm-hmm. course political themes and undertones in the book, but more than anything I wanted to use this as a way to really connect people from a lot of different uh, backgrounds and and ways of thinking because I think that that is so critically important right now. And so young, old, uh, any race, any um, country of origin, any gender, anybody is going to be able to find something through this book. And again, even if it doesn't necessarily reflect exactly the way you see the world, um, I'm not necessarily pushing my opinions through the book either so it's a way for you to either reconfirm mm-hmm. some of the things that you think or most importantly find common ground with others that do not necessarily see the world exactly as you do because we're never all going to agree on everything we all That's have around, really. you know unique experiences through life that we've gone through that shape how strongly we feel about certain things and why we feel about those things. But if people aren't having those conversations, it's very difficult sometimes for someone else to Really say, wow! I can see where you're coming from, even though I don't necessarily agree with it. I can still see, and it's a it's a valid point of view, though it differs from my own. So, um, really, anybody is the demographic, and I'm excited to see, you know, what the primary demographics look like over time as the book continues to sell. But right now, it's been very much a mix of people.
0: Yeah, definitely, I can relate, and I grew up in China. You know, censorship is something. And I have been dealing with for many, many years, even though I didn't even realize that until I came to the United States. I was like, wow, there's so much media, all sorts of censorship in China. And uh, also I have been spending like two decades in the United States. And I'm also an entrepreneur. And there are so many sections, chapters in the book that I can so strongly resonate with. So I'm going to share my screen for a second so we can maybe take a look at the seven big uh uh, chapters in the book so hold on let me uh, share and can everyone see the screen right now Censored America I sure can awesome and uh, so I can't wait to to get a hard coffee so in this uh, in this book you have seven different chapters Let freedom reign, the land of opportunity, as you mentioned, for entrepreneurship. United we stand, divided we fall. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. One nation under God. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I love this. That's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, way the people. So I really love those seven chapter sections, and each section has a very powerful title. So can you share with us what is the thinking process behind those seven beautifully arranged and powerful chapters?
1: And then I'm going to dive deeper into some of those sections. Yeah. So when I first decided to go ahead and publish this book, I wasn't necessarily sure of uh, how they were going to be organized. But as we started looking at all of the different topics and themes that I had within my poetry, it started to become a lot more clear what Mm -hmm. the focuses were going to be. Uh, For me personally, I think it's, you know, there are really certain things that I want to highlight through this book, and that really helped organize these chapters. So the first one is to really think about our country and its history in a different way. Mm -hmm. I think that we have seen um, really over the last several years, but a lot more in the past year, this attack on the country that we live in. And I think we can all agree that no country is perfect, and there's always Mm -hmm. improvement and always things that we're going to want to change. But the truth is, This is a beautiful place. There are so many beautiful people that live here, people of every walk of life, every race, every background, you know, so many different countries of origin. And it is such a diverse melting pot. And we have been able to successfully live together in this diverse country for a very long time in a way that I think most people don't understand how different it is from many other countries in the world. If you really look at world history, if you look at world events and things that are going on outside of America, it it puts what we have so much more in perspective. You know, as you said, growing up in China, you, you didn't even necessarily recognize how different things were until you got here. And it was a stark contrast at that point to what you had grown up around. And I think that too many people in America right now are simply not appreciating the blessing that we have of living here and the opportunity that we all have to make something of ourselves and to really just try and highlight you know this country our founding clarify some misconceptions i think that people Mm -hmm. have about that that have not really dove into history and so that was the first chapter and i thought that was a very natural first chapter, because that really is what I wanted to use as the starting point for everything else that would come through the book. So um, I
0: had a follow-up point on this. This is so powerful. And uh, there are so many reasons I love the United States. And one of the many reasons is that how many opportunities are here that people didn't even realize when I first came to the US, I was like a hungry pig, right? I was like, wow, you could do this, you could do that. I was applying for all sorts of scholarships and this and that, which I never had I was in China I was like wow this is amazing and I think the fact me as a like entrepreneur and being an immigrant I could literally start something from nothing I came to the U.S. with only $200 wow and to me that is American dream that is like everyone has this opportunity if they're willing to work really hard to change their life and people can, and I I don't think I can have a similar path if I were in China. So I I wish more people can really understand that and see that as opposed to putting ourselves into this victim mentality, right? Yeah. That is so powerful. I just want to
1: share. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I I just love your perspective on that so much because it is so different than people that maybe have been born in and grown up in America. They don't have anything else to compare and contrast it with. And because of that, They really don't appreciate Mm. what they have the ability to do and achieve. And from a human rights perspective, but also from the opportunities perspective, exactly like you said, there are simply not a lot of countries in the world where anyone, uh, especially women in a lot of cases, can start and Mm. grow successful businesses on their own without needing approval or, um, you know, having fit into a very specific mold that maybe isn't what you would choose. So that flows supernaturally into the land of opportunity chapter, Mm -hmm. making sure that people do realize that this country has allowed entrepreneurship to thrive in a way that we just don't see in other countries. And it doesn't matter what your dreams are. Everyone can have different dreams and different Mm -hmm. desires of what the American dream means to them but it's up to all of us to decide what that is and actually go for it because i've worked with so many different people from just backgrounds that are completely diverse people who have started with absolutely nothing and built these incredible companies. And if people are not actively talking to people like that and understanding their story and and where they came from, it's very easy to believe that, you know, there are these limitations on people based on how they start in life. And that's simply not true. But the truth is, it's not easy. You and I both know starting a business, making something of yourself and, and a financial future for yourself and your family, it's not a walk in the park it takes work it takes perseverance and endurance but the opportunity is there for anyone who's willing to take it and so when i was putting these chapters together i think of it like a mixtape that i would put together Mm -hmm. back when i was in high school so i like to let different chapters flow where it's not all positive kind of lumped together. You don't want all the negative lumped together. You want to start on a strong note and you want to finish on a strong note. So that's kind of how I really organize them. Um the third chapter is United We Stand Divided We Fall and that's about organizing or exploring these what some people would consider controversial issues. Yeah. And you know, I this is also one of my very favorite chapters. Uh, however, I don't think that the entire book could be this, you know, of this chapter essentially. I think I have more than enough that could fill a book, but you know, you really you don't want to focus only on some of the hard things. Uh, you really want to make sure that positivity and encouragement and hope is mixed in throughout that, so that it's a very mm-hmm. positive experience reading the book. Um, but this one's important because it's eye opening in a lot of ways, and there are a lot more that I, a lot more thoughts that I could have added to this chapter and the sixth chapter. Um, but hopefully that'll be a second book. Maybe we'll see when that might come out. Um, but I really think that this chapter is powerful because again, it's all about realizing that, you know, we are not each other's enemy. We are allowed to have different views and different ideas and to advocate for different causes. We all do not have to be the exact same when it comes to what we are passionate about fighting for or trying to change. That's the beauty of a country full of so many different diverse ideas. Mm -hmm. You have people that have experienced different things, which makes them passionate about different causes, you know, Mm -hmm. helping kids through their, their school, you know, just the life of college and all of those school related issues, that's something that you're so passionate about from your specific background. You know, those, those things that you've been through have dictated where you really want to focus. And I think we all have those things. Um, But too often, people have made us feel like we all have to care about the exact same thing equally. And that's just, it's not going to happen. I, for example, am super passionate about fighting against human trafficking. That's Mm -hmm. not Thing that i expect everyone in the world to advocate for in the same way we all have things that we're passionate about that are equally important and it takes a group of passionate people to get anything done but you can never expect that everyone is going to be fighting for the exact same thing uh, in the exact same way so the fourth chapter is one i've gotten a ton of really positive responses on and that's the one about family mm. So remembering what's important is really the the sub headline, I guess, of that chapter. And I think that that's so important because in this world where we are being bombarded with a lot of the times, you know, negative information on a daily basis, it's very easy to lose focus of what truly matters in life. What is important? And it's really not the news and it's not uh, what's happening in the government or, or what this corporation did or what that is. I mean, those things are really important because they can shape the future. They can shape the present. But our family, the people that we love, the people that we care about, that is truly the single most important thing that we have. And we can't forget that because the second we do, parents are no longer actively parenting their children. And I've seen that a lot over the last several months. I've seen these you know, horrible, horrible crimes committed by very young children, and as a parent, it is, it's shocking to me, Mm -hmm. but I see that as a symptom of the fact that we have lost focus on the importance of family and connecting with one another inside of our homes, Mm -hmm. and really making sure that our homes are in order before we try and, you know, change the world. Like, we've got to start there. So I love that chapter. I love the next one. It's really about my faith in God. And again, just something to bring peace and encouragement and hope to people no matter what they're going through um so that one's that one's a really really powerful one as well and then I'm from the government and I'm here to help that's probably my favorite chapter and it's about analyzing our broken systems I think we can all agree that there's there is so much that is broken the question is do you see what is broken are you looking at the surface level symptoms you know or are you looking at the root cause why are some of these things happening. And uh, there's a lot of references in a lot of different places to the book 1984, which is actually something I'm, I'm rereading or re-listening to right now. And it is, it's incredibly interesting how a book that was written so many years ago um, is drawing so many parallels to the things that we see happening right now in a, in a very different way. Um, But I love that chapter because I think it is something that people need to hear, but it's also playful and fun at the same time Which I think is really important to make it a fun read for people and then we the people, that's the final chapter And it's about taking personal responsibility I think we've also seen a significant lack of people being willing to take personal responsibility For their actions for their words and we all have to do that every single person makes choices they make choices in what they say they make choices in what they do or what they don't do and those choices all have consequences or rewards that go along with them but we have to stop generalizing people we have to stop blaming groups of people for the actions of one person we have to stop seeing ourselves as a victim exactly like you said and say what can I do in my own life to change my situation? Whether it's my thoughts, whether it's my words, whether it's the way that I serve my community, what are the things that I as a person can do to make my life and the world and the country a better place to live? Because no matter what we say, no matter what we do, every single thing comes down to, are you willing to take personal action to make a change, whether that's donating your time, donating your money, using your voice to speak out about the things that matter to you. But I think we also see a lot of times, a lot of talk and not a lot of action. You know, I want to encourage people to get up off your butt, get off from behind the screen and actually do something about the things that matter to you because it's not up to somebody else, it's up to you. If everyone is sitting around thinking it's up to someone else, nobody does anything and, I hope that, you know, ending on that chapter, especially the the final poem, I think is very powerful and it's really about uniting together as citizens to keep our country that does have so many beautiful blessings and benefits associated with it, keep it a place where it is the land of opportunity, where families do thrive where they are the hearts of our home, that faith is something that we celebrate, that we don't shut it down, and that we remember that we are in control of our futures. And it all starts with action. So I think it, you know, it's kind of a roller coaster of emotions in a lot of ways. I mean, just reading it myself, uh, it's almost like reading it as a person who didn't write it because so many times I write these and I just feel like they just come to me. I'm not really. Wow. Spending- a ton of time like trying to think about each line. And it was a very unique experience getting to read it when it was all put together because it, I mean, it impacted me emotionally in a way that I didn't expect. So I hope that the same is true for everyone else who reads it. Yeah, you are just
0: like a a channel, right? Channeling this really important message, important book. And all those seven chapters are so powerful. And I love how you ended with the last chapter that we're all responsible. That's what I tell my own kids, right? Like don't like they, my own children, they fight a lot and just like be responsible for yourself. Like what can you do to improve the situation? Bigger issues, everyone has a voice, use our voice. I think it is especially important for minorities. And for a long time, me, myself as an Asian American, I was really, really quiet. First of all, I didn't know I have a voice. Second of all, I didn't feel comfortable using my voice. I was afraid of, you know, what other people are going to say about me. I love you have a poem, poem in the book talking about people pleasing, right? I don't remember yeah. the, exact title. Yeah, so that's like, the title, I love that one. I, I can really, really, really relate. So I want to go a little bit deeper into some of the chapters, but first of all, we have Puja here, joining us live from India. So is the copy available
1: in India? Can people get an e-copy? Do you know, Ali? Yeah, so you can buy the Kindle version, which is the print replica, um, or there is like a, a large print edition of the Kindle. And I think that as long as you have a smartphone, you can go ahead mm-hmm. and get that specific version. I'm also working on the audiobook. For this, so I'm really excited to do that one. I, do, I I feel like it's a good opportunity to maybe dive deeper into some of the things we're talking about right now. Um, the audio version that I I didn't necessarily um, want to put into the book, but really expanding on some of these topics. So the audiobook's going to be available, and if people are not able to purchase that on Amazon, they can also request it through their local library or bookstores. Um, it's available really worldwide through those channels. But if it's not in then you can call and you can request that and then I will likely have just you know a an immediate mp3 download version of the audiobook on the website if someone's not able to get it in one of those formats so I really want to make it as accessible as possible to everyone
0: yeah that's awesome that's awesome speaking of like Amazon to share my screen real quick to show you again where you can join us live on Amazon and then get, we have quite a few people join us live right now on Amazon. So here is my Amazon. If you just enter classroom without live, you will come to this page. And I have been highlighting Alice's book. If you just click this copy, click this image here, and you will get a copy of her book. And such a great book. We got lots of great comments here uh, from Amazon. Thank you so much, everyone. And so here's another uh, great question for you, Allie. So what was the deciding if there is one
1: point for you to decide finally it is time to write this book? Yeah, so it was an interesting way that that kind of transpired. So I've wanted to write a book my entire life. I've always assumed that I would. I thought it was actually gonna be a business book. That was my first book. I also have novel ideas that I've you know, written pretty extensively about mm-hmm. in journals for most of my life. So. I didn't know that it would be a poetry book that would be my first book. Granted, it's something that, like I said, I've done my whole life. I already had all the content. I just, you know, poetry is not like the coolest, format in the world, and so I just didn't really think much of it. Um, But over the last year, obviously, like I said, I've really seen that poetry can be a format that can actually open conversations and get people to think about things in a way that's very non-threatening and low pressure. And it's also bite-sized, because I think we all know how limited people are in their attention span these days. You know, Getting somebody to read an entire article sometimes Mm -hmm. can be difficult. And I also know there are not a lot of people who read books uh, at length. So I wanted something that was easier to digest, something that people who are not used to reading necessarily could pick up. They could read a few pages and then they could read a few more, you know, at a later date um, and something that you can really just open up to any page and start reading. So I felt like the uh, compact style that this could provide would allow it to reach more people who would not only buy it but actually read it because that's the goal to get them to read it and not just to buy it so when i started to see those things it definitely got the wheels turning but then i had this random itch to take all of my poetry it was just a weekend um i had plenty of other things i could have been doing but i just Urge to take all of my poetry and put them in Google Docs and organize them in a Google Drive folder. And I've never done that in my entire life of writing. They're all, they were all in notebooks. I had some that were on notes on my computer, but primarily there was just a lot that was written down. Mm-hmm. And I just got this desire to do that. I don't really know why. Then I came across a publisher in a Facebook group. I started talking to her and I was, you know, I sent her a message and said, hey, you know, I don't normally do this, but I see that you're a publisher. And um, I just would love to know if you think I have anything worth pursuing here. And because of the fact that I had organized all of that into a Google Drive folder, I was able to send her the entire folder where before I probably would have sent her one or two pieces that I thought, And I thought I'd probably end up doing a children's book. That, that was what I assumed I would probably end up doing because I have several that I've written. And she, she looked through all of it and she said, you know, I, children's books are great because obviously parents buy books, grandparents buy books, friends buy books for the kids. So, you know, they typically sell pretty well, but she said, I'd really encourage you to take the rest of your poetry that you have here mm-hmm. um, Publish this book. I think it's a, a really important time to do it, and I was all in for it. I thought it was a great idea, um, knowing that poetry, you know, could be a hit or miss. She said she's never encouraged anyone to publish a poetry book before, so this was a first. Um, but not long after, you know, we got the the ball rolling, and and things took off pretty quickly after that. So it was something that was always on my mind, but really just having someone else in the space reconfirm that they thought this was the book not a children's book not something that would sell just to sell but something that really had the ability to make an impact on people so that was the moment that i decided to do it and then the more i thought about it after making that decision the more excited i got about you know the ability to really hopefully impact people so it's been been great to like just see my own personal feelings throughout this process and Realize how much I truly love writing and I love writing poetry, especially. So it's been a lifelong dream fulfilled.
0: I mean, I can feel your energy. I can feel your passion across the computer screen. And I think you can still do a children's book. I I think my own kids, you know, many homeschoolers who are more like free thinking, I think they will really enjoy a copy of this book, right? I think you can still do both. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. for sure. yeah, here uh, we got so many great comments and this one again from Pooja, she said that, you know, she's a little bit shy, I think I can also relate, there was also a point in our life, everyone was shy, and but she's inspired and she is inspired by you and she's going to start a podcast to spread the message and to use her voice, so amazing, go That's for so it. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I want to dive deeper into two specific chapters because most people joining here are kind of entrepreneurs, business people. Hey, Carrie, definitely get a copy of her book. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, Carrie is an amazing entrepreneur herself. And so let's talk about the land of opportunity. So that one is about self growth, entrepreneurship, free market. So what are some key lessons that you want people to take away from reading that chapter? If you can share a few kind of key messages for us.
1: Yeah, so I am somebody who believes that gratefulness is at the heart of happiness. I think Mm -hmm. that um, being grateful for what you already have is one of the most important things to allow you to have more. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're unhappy with what you have currently, you're likely not going to be happy with anything else that you have moving forward. It also kind of goes back to the fact of what we were talking about earlier, that we are so blessed in America that even the least of us, so to speak, are oftentimes so much more better off than other people in many other countries across the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just uh, focused on an appreciation for what you have, but also the desire to understand what it is you really want from Mm -hmm. life. And I think that that is something that's important for everyone, because I think you and I both know that when you're passionate about what you do, when you feel that fire burning inside of you for the, the work that you're doing every single day,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: so much easier to succeed because you want to work at it, you want to serve the people that you're serving through your business. And so mm-hmm. really just understanding what is it that I want, realizing how powerful your thoughts are, I think that's a crucial theme throughout this chapter, that your brain is incredibly powerful and the way you tell it to work will directly impact the output that you see. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorites in the chapter is called My Business is Essential. And that's something I think a lot of people can relate to after the last year. And it's Mm -hmm. talking about the fact that, you know, every single business is essential. It's essential to the person who runs it. It's essential to the employees that work for them. It's essential to the families Mm -hmm. of people to be able to have food on the table. It's Mm -hmm. essential for the people who need their help. And that ultimately, you know, we can't forget that there are not some businesses are essential and some businesses are not they all are and mm-hmm. we need to keep that in mind and and make sure that we use that ability to continue serving the people that we're serving and and that we don't let someone tell us that our business is less important than someone else's because it's mm-hmm. not the case um so a lot of inspiration a lot of things about mindset and and your thoughts but uh one of my favorites is uh called opportunity is everywhere and mm-hmm. it is really about understanding that opportunity is plentiful, but it doesn't just flood itself upon you. You have to be looking for it. You have to know what it is you're looking for. You have to strike while the iron's hot. You have to take advantage when certain things come up, but also the fact that um, relationships, in my opinion, are one of the catalysts for immense opportunities. So encouraging people to, to see the people that they communicate with as not just potential opportunities, but realizing that creating real connections with people, it leads to opportunities as long as you're paying attention and you're willing to, to really serve. Um, so a lot of different themes, also talking about, you know, being willing to give more than you are seeking to receive because it does, it does bring it all back to you, you know, and that shouldn't be the reason that we want to do it but all of us have the ability to help someone else in some small way, Mm -hmm. and you would be surprised at how the smallest little interaction sometimes Mm -hmm. can totally change someone else's path. Mm -hmm. I know one story that really jumps out to me is, I had a guy, like a young guy, message me on Instagram like a year or two ago. And I do a lot with, like, the home improvement, remodeling, interior design spaces, like, through my agency. And he said, hey, Allie, I've been following you for a while. I know that, you know, this is not necessarily your area of expertise, but, you know, I really want to be an interior designer. I want to go to college for interior design. Just wondering if you had any suggestions on what I could do to try and stand out. So, you know, I had nothing to gain from this conversation, but I gave him a pretty detailed list of what I would do if it were me and what Uh I thought would be really powerful. He messaged me back about a year later and told me that he'd not only gotten into the school, he'd gotten a scholarship based on all of the recommendations that I had given him. Wow. And it was just such a reminder that everyone online, they're a real person. They have a real journey and a real path. Mm-hmm. sometimes it only takes a second to go out of your way to help someone, even if you have nothing to gain in return, that Mm -hmm. could change the trajectory of their lives forever. And being in a position where you do have a voice or you do have an audience or you do have financial resources or any type of resources, uh, don't underestimate the power that you personally have to make an impact in someone's life through the business that you've created. So it's it's a great one, but uh, very uplifting themes in this chapter, which I love, but hopefully will inspire someone to go out on a limb and start a business that they've been thinking about starting for a while. I love helping people figure out what kind of businesses they can start. It's a lot of fun. And I think that um, we are in a time when people are, seeing entrepreneurship as sometimes less risky or equally as risky as being employed by somebody. A hundred percent, yeah, totally. And you have just
0: like this short conversation. I mean, I already read the book, feeling inspired. Listening to you to share even more has impact inspired me to another level and i so agree right traditionally when we started a business we had to have lots of like capital in terms of cash flow but nowadays it's like social media the digital media platform that all of us can leverage create content sharing our message using our voice podcasting all those things we can use that to build a community to grow a profitable business you are definitely the best role model to talk about this so i highly recommend everyone definitely follow you. Do you mind doing a rating for us? Like
1: from one of you? Absolutely. Oh, wow, I'm so excited. Do you oh have a that you would like me to share? Do you just want me to pick one?
0: Oh, I have my favorite. My favorite is like, I am a woman. Uh, that is my- I favorite. love that one, I love that one. I love that one, like- I'm so excited <laughs> <in that. laughs> But we also have lots of guys join us. So like, you can just like choose whatever is your favorite, I, like.
1: There are so many. I don't even know that I have one single favorite. Let me, let me find one. I really like my business is essential. I think that one is short and sweet. And yeah, you can do that for us. Yeah, we. Have a lot of people here. So, my business is essential is the title. My business is essential. It feeds my family. My business is essential to my employees. My business is essential to keeping on the lights. My business is essential to keep my children from their frights. My business is essential to those who need my help. My business is essential just like everybody else. My business is essential. Who decides it's not? My business is essential in case you all forgot. Wow. That's that's definitely one that hits close to home, especially as someone working with local businesses primarily, Mm -hmm. Um, to see so many of them, you know, deemed as non-essential for quite some time, even though every single person that uh, is in that business feels pretty differently. So it's a reminder to stand up for the rights that you do have to operate your business, because, you know, being able to provide for your family that is something that no one should be able to take away from you, and it's been really sad to see that that it has been taken away from so many. But you know, you might be down, but you're not out. So don't forget that you can always bounce. Yeah, that's
0: it right. Yeah, and this is so timely, given what happened last year, and why, right, like essential. I love it. Thank you for doing the reading, and I can't wait to get an audio like a copy of the book just to hear you. Yeah, I
1: can't wait
0: to do that. It's going to be fun. Yeah, totally. And another one, I know we don't have much time left. And another chapter I really want to dive a little bit deeper into is I am from the government and I'm here to help. So in this exact chapter, you were talking about the broken system. I think that many people are probably afraid to talk about. So what exactly is this broken system that you're talking about that many people probably don't want to talk about it or they don't even see the
1: system as broken yeah man there like i said i i really could have added a lot more to this chapter um i look forward to doing another book simply to put more in there but there are so many things that, again, are more general themes that I think people really need to be paying attention to. So, the very first one in this chapter is called Thought Crimes. And that's another one that is related. Um, anybody who's read 1984 is going to mm-hmm. immediately click with that poem. It's one of my favorites in the book, honestly. And it's uh, satirical, but it's really talking about the fact that so much of what we are being told to believe or agree with um, is really being forced down Mm -hmm. your throat in a lot of ways and that uh if you can simply see it through the lens of being able to think freely and Mm -hmm. speak openly um and then look at the censorship that's also taking place it's something that i think everybody needs to be really aware of because as soon as you Snuff out free speech and free thought, and you tell everyone that there's only one way to think about things. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is the downfall of many nations' past. And it is a very, very slippery slope. It never leads to a good place. And so, this is something that, you know, as people who work directly in social media, you see it sometimes Mm -hmm. on a little bit deeper level than the average consumer would. But I think most consumers that are just on social media have probably. Seen this in their own lives or people that they know, but not necessarily on the level to which it's taking place across the board. There's also one called Who Can Judge a Judge? And I think that this really mm-hmm. goes back to our justice system. Uh, first and foremost, you know, who is the determining factor of what justice really is? We're all human beings. We all, unfortunately, We have internal biases, we have things Mm -hmm. that uh, we care more about and sometimes we're cowardly and we don't stand up for what's right. And uh, to me personally, I've seen this a lot throughout the last year, things that I think are critical issues that courts have not been willing to hear at all, Mm -hmm. not you know rule on something if it's right or wrong, but the fact that you're not willing to listen to the case, I think uh, speaks volumes about the justice system, from a standpoint you often don't hear, we hear a lot about the problems in the justice system. You don't really hear much being said about judges specifically. So it's not really to call out any one person, but it's to really show you that there is no one above their own personal uh, beliefs or agendas or biases. You know, we all have those, and we need to be paying attention to um, who is who's backing up some of these things, you know, is their opinion always better? You know, that's the question. And I think it's a really important one. And then one of my favorites is called The Great Theft, and it's actually about Congress, but it's written from the standpoint of like a magic show and a circus. And you know, that's the one thing I love about poetry is you can talk about some more serious themes like that, but you can do it in a playful way and with such analogy mm-hmm. that will allow people to maybe see it in a different light, uh, because that's often how I feel when I look at a lot of things that go on in Congress, that this is a circus, this is, um, this is theatrical, this is very much something where, you know, it's all it's all hype, it's all a show in so many ways. And it doesn't matter who you think the ringleaders are, it doesn't matter who you think are the, the ultimate magicians, I think we can all agree that there's a lot of that going on. Um, it talks a lot about the, the COVID regulations and some of those uh, glaring contradictions that we've seen over the course of last year, the security state is another one I really like. I mean, there there's a lot of really good ones. Um, yeah, I also
0: love you have lots of really beautiful illustrations, like so cute to accompany those poems. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Oh, you're
1: fine. Yeah, my brother actually did those. Um, he he's an artist, and I was really excited to get to work with him on this book. It's something we've talked about pretty much our whole lives. So that was a really great so a really great result from the book as well.
0: That is so sweet. That is amazing. I, I love it. Yeah. So which makes a book even more enjoyable uh, to read. I, I love all those things that you're talking about, even like, you know, in terms of social media. I know this last year, even like this year, uh, many of my friends, they actually left social media completely because they posted something and their post is just gone. I, I saw that on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and that that just triggered the media censorship that I experienced when I was in China I felt so opinionated about this yeah. I was like debating and arguing with my husband at home I said this is so wrong How can-? regardless of your political affiliation right I doing that it is just wrong like it is people should share their voice like freely yeah yeah
1: should. and the truth is that again we will never all agree on anything and if it comes to a point where it looks like everyone does it's not honest. And <laughs> people don't honestly agree on everything. You have to just accept that as a fact of life and realize that everyone's entitled to their opinion. And I, I often think that people get confused with um, censorship and moderating profanity or mm. um, direct violence. I think everyone can agree yeah. that if a platform doesn't want profanity, it's not that difficult to accept that and move on. Um, If someone is saying, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to hurt you, I think we can all agree that threats of violence should not take place. That's typically not what we see being censored. They're things that are completely um, outside of violence or profanity. They're literally opinion. Um, The fact-checking aspect of this is something else that I think is super serious because, I mean, I actually read articles on a regular basis and I read the fact-checking articles as well because I want to know what are you looking at to determine if this is right or wrong? And the truth is, I'd say 90% of the time, something that is uh, considered mostly false It actually is not if you just read the article and it's Mm -hmm. an opinion in that article of why they think it's mostly false. And so when you get into that um, essentially state run media arena, I mean, it can only result in something that is not positive for anyone. Because, again, look at world history, look at what censorship has done in the past, and you will see there's never been a positive outcome.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. And the the worst part is that many people didn't even realize that was my case that you were being censored because you're so brainwashed. You only see one reality. And I think that is Again, what I love, I I hope in the U.S. we can continue to keep this diversity, not only in terms of skin color, but diversity also in terms of our opinions and how we see realities. That is, you know, another reason I love the U.S. like so much. Yeah, I know you and I can just talk about this forever. This topic. Uh, Yeah, but please do share with us, where can people get a copy of your book? And uh, like, where can people check you out on social media? Because besides being an amazing writer, you are actually a great social media digital marketer.
1: Yes. So if you want to check out the book, obviously, you can go on Amazon. Uh, We've got four different formats, whether that's Kindle, large print hardcover, or the paperback version. You can also go to Um, uncensoredamericabook.com if you want to order copies for any type of you know business or library or something like that you can reach out to me directly and we can you know we have like a bulk discount on those Um, Mm -hmm. but also request it from your local library request it from your local bookstore and they can order that for the library or the bookstore that would be really great to get the word out so that hopefully other people can you know discover it through those channels as well so that would be awesome and then alibloidmedia.com that is my primary website. You can learn a lot more about what I do. I work with local businesses and marketers who serve local businesses, helping them really just streamline their lead generation and customer acquisition, helping them with the sales process, converting more leads, increasing sales through a variety of channels. Um, Something I'm super passionate about, which definitely I think uh, has kind of Guided some of my thoughts in this book, um, and then find me on social media at Allie Bloyd or Allie Bloyd Media on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram. I'm kind of on Twitter, but I kind of hate Twitter with a passion. So you know, you could, you can check me out there, but you won't really see much other than retweeting uh, interviews about my book. So anyway, that is where you can find me. I would love to connect with any of you guys um, on any of those channels. So look forward to speaking with you.
0: Yeah definitely I'm excited to have you back on my show again on my Wednesday show which is all about social media marketing to talk about business click funnel and uh, how you do what you do and uh, being so successful so thank you so much again Ali and oh, everyone what a great interview and definitely check out her bug Highly recommend, cannot recommend the book enough and follow Ali on different social media channels. And again, get a copy of her book, give her a great review if you enjoyed today's interview. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining us live from all over the globe. I really appreciate you guys. And thank you so much again, Ali, for being a guest on my show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, have a great one, everyone. See you next time. Mm -hmm. Bye.